one of the things we talk about in training is like, don't say I'm going to be, say that you are, you know, be unapologetic about the message you put out to the world. You're listening to the Building a Coaching Culture podcast. If you need to compete and win in the 21st century labor market as an employer of choice, this podcast is for you. Each week, we share leadership development, coaching, and culture development insights from leading experts who are developing world-class cultures in their own organizations. And now, here's your host, J.R. Flatter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's J.R. Flatter here with my co-host, Lucas. Hello. We're here this session with Cameron Macias and our distinguished guest. Hopefully I said your name right, Hola. Cam. We've been practicing it a little bit. <laughs> we're good. We're good. You said per- perfect pronunciation. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> so just to remind everybody why we're here and why we've invited Cam. So this podcast is Building a Coaching Culture. And so there are many elements of building a coaching culture, leadership development, coaching, coaching accreditation, culture development. How do you build a culture? Cam, we know you're a professional recruiter, so you're going to be especially uh, relevant voice to our audience. So our listeners, just keep in mind who we're reaching out to are leaders of complex organizations that are trying to recruit world-class talent in the 21st century, as we all know, hyper-competitive labor market. So what kind of culture do you need in the 21st century to attract that world-class talent? And who are the leaders of those organizations? And what might we say to them that would be of value as they try to recruit? We got a pretty simple format. Um, first, we're going to ask you to brag about yourself a little bit. Uh, we know you're a coach. Yeah. We know you're a recruiter. We know you got a lot going on. So we want to hear about all that. And our readers certainly, or listeners certainly want to hear about that. We're going to ask you at some point to give them some advice on how to do what you do one of your secrets of success. And then finally, the very end, we're going to ask you, who might you request to bring on as a future guest? So as always, Lucas, jump in here whenever. Lucas is our millennial. I'm the boomer voice. (laughs) I'm not sure where you stand in in all that generational stuff, Uh, but we certainly got a few different generations here. So Cam, we'll pass it over to you and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing. So Cam Macias, everyone just calls me Cam. I am currently 15 years Air Force, I think 13 and a half active. Been in the Air National Guard about two years now. I've been a recruiter for about the last eight years. So originally from California, I was a transportation guy before all that, but crossed into recruiting, haven't looked back. I was an enlisted recruiter. So you're 18 year olds, college, you know, kids that dropped out of college or finished college, what have you. And then I went on to health professions recruiting. So I recruited doctors, nurses, dentists, all that sort. Um, I tell people, if you asked me a year ago, I would have told you I was going to create my own recruiting business. About two years ago, I went really hard into civilian recruiting because I felt like the military could really learn a lot of lessons from them. We were just, we were acting very archaic in some of our processes and um, that brought me down the road of like, oh, I could totally be a civilian recruiter. Like, I, w- I want to open up my own agency, be, you know, be an independent contractor, all those types of things. So I made a lot of connections. I learned how to use LinkedIn. That's where I dove a lot into social media, how to market yourself, you know, how to talk to the right people and things of that nature. That's when I got introduced uh, to Calendly, 
which <laughs> can be fun and not fun at the same time. But it changed my life in recruiting because, you know, as you know, you know, especially being management, things like that is your schedule becomes your guide. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and in recruiting, we say the same thing is, you know, work your schedule. Don't let your schedule work you. And I wasn't always the best at that originally because I hate writing things down. And that's what they gave us. I showed up to recruiting duty. They gave me a book that said, here's your planning guide. This is your Bible. You leave nowhere without it. And Calendly really shaped me because I could send, you know, links to people. It created, you know, events, all those types of things. And that really started to set me apart in the recruiting world. And it made me a lot more efficient to learn a lot more things. But then I crossed over to the Air National Guard after about uh, two years of health professions recruiting. Pandemic hit once set me up realistically because when I got here, a lot of people didn't know how to operate virtually, but I was already doing it because as a health professions recruiter, I covered four geographic states. I can't meet everybody mm-hmm. in person. It's impossible. <clears throat> and so I actually helped write or or do the procedure for the for the Air National Guard when it came to doing virtual enlistments. Nobody knew how to do it. And I was like, you just use Zoom. And they're like, no, that's against regulation. And I was like, no, it's not. If you read the regulation, it just says you have to have a flag. And realistically, that could be a picture of mm-hmm. a flag you hold up behind you. It could be a virtual background, whatever. And so um, that paved the way for that. And so then I started diving into recruiting. I built my own agency, You know, did the LLC, all that stuff. And realistically, kind of had like a little crisis in my life. Personally, a lot happened, Um, ended up going through a divorce, but it was a huge transition as far as me deciding what I really wanted to do when I retire in four and a half years. And that's when coaching fell into my lap. I was working with doing a lot of work with Todd Simmons on CLA and I had a professional coach and he had told me to get into coaching, but I was a little reluctant and I got a thing from CLA that said, hey, we're doing, you know, Flatter's doing this and they would love to have our type of people. Took the leap and haven't looked back. And that was about six months ago. And so now I want to I want to be a coach rather than a recruiter, because realistically, I always like the people. I, I, I hate paperwork. <laughs> I hate the hard conversations of sorry, I know you've submitted 30 applications, but you didn't get any of the jobs. I am much more about how can people help people and how can I bring my experience, but also just as we know, as a coach is to invoke awareness, like how can I help people talk through problems mm-hmm. and help themselves? So, yeah. And so then here I am. I also have a podcast. So I use that as a platform too. And there you go. <laughs> yeah. Any number of things that you've just mentioned are of great interest. The one I want to jump into first, if you don't mind, is one of the things we talk about a lot in the 21st century is the intersection of personal and professional. And you've already brought that into our conversation. So in your coaching and your recruiting, talk to us about that intersection. Where is it for you in your mind? So recruiting is all, I've always operated on what's not only best for the organization, but what's better, best for the purpose uh, the person. And so people thought it was crazy because I was very much that person as a recruiter that if some, if, if it wasn't the best decision for somebody, I would tell them to walk away. Mm. I've done it in front of my flight chiefs and other things like that. I've been like, you know what, man? I don't think the Air Force, honestly, is in your best interest. I think you got a good thing going. Keep your current path. I think you'll be just fine. And people thought it was ludicrous. And I didn't because I'm like, isn't that, wasn't that what I was supposed to be doing? Like, I'm not just supposed to recruit every single body that I can. Like, realistically, we're supposed to recruit, you know, the most agile, smartest, you know, people that can benefit from what we're doing. And 
that served me very well. It obviously created a lot of trust in my community, the people that I dealt with. To this day, I have people who contact me and say, hey, my little brother's joining. You're the only person I want Mm. them to talk to. Hey, my, you know, I have my old commanders who call me and say, hey, this happened with the recruiter, but you're the only person I really trust. Can you tell me, can you give me some background on this? And that gave me a really big sense of of purpose because I that's why I love recruiting so much. And now I've taken, you know, that want to help people as my purpose and that and bringing that into my coaching journey because that's realistically what it was all about in the first place. And um, if I don't feel like I have a purpose in what I'm doing, I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. It's just who I am. If I feel like my senior leaders aren't supporting me, then I, then I, I lose a lot of motivation. So, you know, as we all know, a lot of what we do professionally is very tied into how we feel personally, Mm -hmm. because purpose is a, is, is something that we all need. It seems to Laszlo's hierarchy needs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We talk about them being so intertwined that it's almost foolish to try to separate them. They're so interwoven. So a lot of people that are listening are trying to figure out how to recruit. So there's technical skills, there's cognitive skills, there's emotional intelligence skills. Could you talk us through each one of those? How do you build a funnel? So that'd be a technical piece, I guess. Cognitive would be, how do you sort the funnel? Because it's gigantic and it comes down very narrow, very quick. And then emotionally, how do you create that connection? So, I mean, technically, so that's the technical portion of it, as far as, you know, I would say building the funnel. um, A lot of those are intertwined because as much as people don't want to, you know, they shy away from social media or I don't know how to do this or I don't know how to do that. You know, it's, it's 2022. <laughs> I mean, there's so many tools. I mean, I'm just, I say that to people all the time. I, when I was a recruiter, I used to have a, a, a whiteboard behind me that said, Google it. And so <laughs> when people ask me really simple questions, like how much will I get paid while I'm in the military? I'd be like, there's this, you can just Google it, bro. Like <laughs> this is the time, this is the time to ask like specific questions. Like, what is the job process like in the recruiting? Mm-hmm. You know, don't, what are my healthcare benefits? Bro, you can Google it. Parents loved it. I mean, they were just like, that's amazing. Make it work for mm-hmm. you. <laughs> but, you know, to say that is like, there's so many things to help you along the way. I mean, social media generators, and that's how you build your funnel, right? Is what message are you putting out there? I mean, I, I am still learning even, and I feel like I'm fairly proficient. You know, one of the tools that I use, I found out the other day that I can, pull RSS feeds from coaching RSS feeds. And it will literally produce 15 posts for me of that day on what's going on in the coaching community. Mm. And I don't even have to think about Mm. it. I don't have to sit there and rack my brain what's going on in the world that I need to talk about. And that's where those things intersect because if you're talking about the things that are relevant in your sector, people are going to look at what you're putting out there. You're going to become a constant conversation in their mind. It's like, what did, you know, what did JR say today about coaching? Because I know he's up to date on everything that's going on. As those conversations in people's heads start happening, they start reaching out or they start commenting on your social media posts or, you know, like Brittany, she sees that I keep tagging you guys and stuff. So she messaged me, you know, I didn't, you know, just to say, Hey, I I see that you're doing this, you're doing that. If you want to talk, let's talk. And so, um, that's kind of how you get the funnel started, but it's also a part of that that reaching out piece. Right. Mm -hmm. And then emotionally, it's just, what are you putting out there? Honestly, you know, like what type of message are you telling people? I don't know. 
Close the door. <laughs> you know, sorry. And so That's the um, weaving together of the personal and the professional, right? There, it's just exactly. so <laughs> right on years cue. ago we would have freaked Beep. out about that. Like, ah, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> oh, oh, facts. Yeah. It's just one of those things like deal with it, man. And so um, it's a holiday. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, and then it's like, what are you putting out there when it comes to that? To, to your message, you mm-hmm. know, when, when someone comments on your stuff, are you just giving them the old corporate answer or are you giving them actual, like, this is how I feel about this, this, you know, comment, or this is how I feel about this product that I put out. This isn't, you know, to talk for everyone. This is just to talk for me. And that means a lot these days because a lot of people are so scared to put stuff on the internet because they can always come back to it mm-hmm. 15 years later. But if you're able to put it out there in an honest and informative and like non-confrontational manner, it holds a lot of weight in today's world because people see that you're taking that somewhat leap to be honest about how you feel. And it makes people want to talk to you Mm. Mm. and look at your company or look at the product that you have to sell. As soon as you um, had your kid come in, Declan jumped in my two and a half year old. <laughs> what are you doing down here? I heard, I, I heard there was a bat signal. <laughs> Children unite. <laughs> what you said about, you know, like forming the funnel and everything, it, that's something that it's kind of difficult because you've got to have that messaging and then you're using like these technical tools to scale that out. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it, it gets kind of muddled. Like, are we solving a technical problem or are we working on our messaging and so that's kind of a challenge for us in marketing sometimes so do you have any advice you know on creating the message i i know you suggested you know looking at current news items and things so anything you could help us there with (laughs) and talk about what's going on in your life i mean that's the Mm -hmm. easiest thing you can do especially when it comes to like let's just use a platform like linkedin for instance like you know because everything you know you, you you jump into half personal have professional posts all the time, right? And like everyone's trying to put out a message, but some of the most successful messages that I have seen were literally about what happened to somebody that day. Mm-hmm. Like a friend of mine, she to this day, she's very successful on LinkedIn. One of her most popular posts was making ba- banana bread with her daughters. Mm-hmm. That's that's it was just about family, like how she this is her family's favorite recipe and it helps her relax before she has a long work week. And once again, that was an honest post, nothing confrontational, but it spoke to a lot of people because one, there's those people who know what calms them down before a long work week. And two, there's those people who needed a reminder to find something to calm them down Mm. before they have a long work week. It helped traject her brand because people saw her as not only honest and informative, but they started looking at all her other stuff because that's the point, right? I just need to bring you in so you can look at all my other stuff. Because my other stuff is what's going to sell you, not just this one thing. Hmm. Taking notes again. <laughs> <laughs> the social media thing, it's like, I guess from my perspective, sometimes you think about like that stigma of like, oh, everyone's just sharing like what they're eating for lunch and this and that. And it's like, yeah. I guess, I mean, that's almost what people expect to see. So it's like, how do you tailor those platforms? Like, if you're going to kind of give daily updates, it needs to include some part of your life. Otherwise it's kind of manufactured, I guess. Well, I mean, don't the thing, don't be afraid to use other people to your, and they say to your advantage, but you know, it sounds bad, but it's, it's real. You know, like I have, um, we call ourselves like our little tribe. There's like four or five of us. I'm uh, still in the military. 
recruiting and coaching. Another guy is a prior Marine who now, you know, went on a transition journey from recruiting in the Marines to now recruiting for a sales point company. Nadia is a mill spouse, but she's an HR director. Another guy, Scott, he is a career advisor at Scott Air Force Base who was prior Navy. I mean, we use each other by putting a post and then we ask, well, what do you guys think about mm. it? What's this person think about it? You know, and, and you meet these other people along the way. And I literally, I met all those people in comments on LinkedIn and I've known them now for two years and they have helped me not only get better, but vice versa. And so don't be afraid to not make it just about you, you know, like put, mm-hmm. put whatever you want and then be like, well, what do you do? So, you know, the banana bread recipe. What's one of your favorite recipes? Hey, what do you do to calm down for a work mm-hmm. week? You know, it doesn't solely have to be about what's going on with you as it is about pulling people into what's going on, because the more people you pull in, their people see it and then their people see it. And so it becomes this domino effect. And that's the point of it all. And I was just writing down, you said, you know, tell a story about making banana bread. If I'm a leader of a complex organization and I'm trying to attract the attention of world-class talent, I should start telling stories about leadership. I should start telling stories about coaching. I should start telling stories about my culture. Mm-hmm. So that attracts people who are interested in good leadership. They're interested in good coaching. They're interested in strong culture as a attractor to my organization. And that's powerful yep. insight. And also I wrote it down as tribal dialogue. I don't know. I'm not sure what you would call that where I'm just, forming a little tribe and talking amongst ourselves and attracting attention. I told you at the beginning, you know, I, I kind of had this personal dilemma that I went to. I, I mean, that was 10 months. Mm. I was going really hard on LinkedIn. I mean, people knew who I was, all that thing. And I just stopped it one day. I said, you mm. know what? I got to take a break. I got to figure out my life. I got to take a, I need to take an in-depth look at what my purpose is, all those things. And when I came back, you know, it was arms wide open for, for my community, but those people never left my tribe. I mean, I mm-hmm. text them every mm-hmm. single day, even during that time. And um, we all keep each other involved in everything we're doing. Like Scott, because he's a career advisor, he always does PowerPoints and LinkedIn lives and things like that. And without even requiring us to do anything, we're, we become moderators for that thing. We become facilitators. And so now, you know, the other day, someone turned me into an avatar. Mm. <laughs> I like, <laughs> she like tagged me to post and I, she was like, you know, these are, you know, and, and, and it's nice because she's like, coach Cameron Macias does this, you know, and it's, and, and it's like, it, it just flowed because that's the message I put out there. You know, one of the things we talk about in training is like, don't say I'm going to be, say that you are, you know, put that message, be unapologetic about the message you put out to the world. And I have been. And so it was nice because, and, you know, and I messaged her and I was like, do you just make me like an avatar? And she's like, yeah, I hope you like it. And it's like, I didn't ask for any of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't ask Scott to be on the panel. I realistically have never really even tagged Jennifer that much, but because she saw the tribe that I was with, she automatically pulled me in. And now I think the last four or five posts that she's made, I've not only been tagged in them. She made me an avatar. I got like 25 connections. And every single post she's put out there says coach. Mm-hmm. And that was all just off of like my little tribe that we just talk and, and we and we help each other out. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't even know if you noticed it a few minutes ago, but you apologized about thinking for yourself, about yourself. Uh, we, a lot of us do that. I'm not pointing the finger at you. We all do that. And that's <laughs> yeah, one no, of the, it, you know, <laughs> we, we talk about being unapologetic. And it's one of my latest rants that there's nobility <laughs> 
in work. I heard somebody say this morning, it's the gig economy and everybody has a side hustle. Well, guess what? That word hustle means, to borrow a term from Damon John, rise and grind, right? So we all got this big W in our life, yet we keep apologizing for it. And I don't know, I'm not sure where that's going in our 21st century workforce. I know from my standpoint, I feel like that's something that comes from the military Mm. because we're supposed to be more team dynamic, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's funny you say that because that's actually something I try and break a lot when I talk to people. I'm like, no, man, like do you boo boo. Mm -hmm. Like don't, don't Mm -hmm. be, don't, don't be afraid to, to put your message out there. As long as you're not like downgrading your team or Mm -hmm. doing anything malicious, like there's nothing wrong with like you standing on both your feet and, and killing it. But then I do the same thing. And they're like, Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to give other people advice on yourself. I know. Right? <laughs> but we, we talk about work, family, self, and taking care of self is not selfish. And that means no. fiscally, right? Taking care yeah. of yourself fiscally. Um, I was in the Chamber of Commerce for a long time, still am, was on the board and was the chairman. And I used to, every time I would give the, a speech, talk about the for-profit businesses because everything comes from for-profit. Taxes, yep. 5013 donations, any of that. <laughs> right. Right? You got to have a profit before you can give it away. So yep. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> and I guess like something you said earlier, Cameron, about like, you know, when you're posting on social media, like, you're almost like trying to connect with these smaller communities. You're not just like talking to 10 million people. You're talking to maybe like a couple thousand or hundred. Mm -hmm. And so you're more like service oriented to these like groups than like just saying like, Oh, here I am. Like here's two roads leadership and we're providing this, but it could be like that we're kind of in the community. And, and I guess in that way, like even though you're out there and trying to get profit, like, you're given back and like, you know, there's an interactive piece to it. I, th- I think it's, it's just more, it's like, it's, it's giving back, but it's also just like working in tandem with, right. I'm a big proponent of collaboration over competition. Mm-hmm. So what, how can I help you? And, and you can help me like, what, what are we doing together? You know? So like, just like how I think you guys, you guys are doing the, um, the coaching class with Glenn's company, right? Yeah. You know, like that, that's good, you know, cause now you have, you guys are not only talking about it, but now you have Glenn, you know, Glenn is, is also pushing it out in his company. Same thing with like CLA, you know, those are those type of things, you know, but it's also like, say a class just gets done and you have these people on LinkedIn. Why not ask four of them? Hey, we just got done with the coaching class. You guys were in it. What did you think? You know, how did you, you know, whatever, like put yourself out, you know, put yourself out mm-hmm. there. Obviously, you have to be prepared for what comes back. You know, somebody might say, oh, I, I felt like, you know, JR goes on a lot of rants. All right? <laughs> you know, there's these things. But but realistically, that's OK, because guess what? Someone might say like, oh, blah, 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 blah. But there's someone like, you know, probably me will be like, yeah, but dude's got a Ph.D., you know, dang near in, in leadership. You can't you can't even fathom what this man's thinking half the time. Those are those types of things. Right. Like I put a post the other day about the like LinkedIn's coming out with a new audio meeting thing and just like clubhouse. And I was like, I'm kind of excited about it. I wonder how it's going to be because clubhouse was cool, but it got kind of ruined really quickly. And realistically half the people that commented were like, "Ah, I think it's going to be trash just like clubhouse, (laughs) but that's okay because it's inspiring thought and it's bringing people to the conversation. I think people get it misconstrued that 
the conversation doesn't always have to be positive for it to be a good mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. For the boomers, the clubhouse platform is kind of like a live podcasting tool. So instead <laughs> of just like going and live streaming, you're just live streaming your voice and people can join and, and like chime in. It's just, it turns so like monopolized though, because it's like, if you didn't have an invite when it first got open, like, and, and you did have an invite, like you almost like could take over the entire platform because you could create all these, your own things. And then like, you could lock people out where they couldn't talk if you didn't want them to. And I was like, this, this kind of ruins the whole point of this. Like, isn't it supposed to be like an open conversation? But that's also the people who like, you know, what is it? One baby ruins it for everybody. It's the person that like, you know, spouted out slurs and all mm. types of other crazy stuff where people like had to lock it down. So We'll see. Yeah, this is why we can't have nice things. That's what I <laughs> Man, I got three kids. That's why I don't have nothing nice. <laughs> I lock my door with all my camera equipment. I'm like, nope, you can't come in. <laughs> so one of the things we also talk about is freelance coaching entrepreneurship. It sounds like you started down that path. Talk to us a little bit about the freelance market. I'm not sure if you have an Upwork account or where you're, where you're selling yourself or your skills through. And then entrepreneurship, you started an LLC, I think I heard you say. So talk mm-hmm. us through that a little bit. How how hard was that? How easy was that? So my initial LLC was um, for recruiting. And uh, I have my, my podcast that I do is also my best friend, also my business partner. And so our deal was that I would do all the podcast stuff. I would record, find guests, do all that. But his job was to build the LLC. <laughs> so he, so I think he, you know, he did it through like, what's the like zoom legal mm-hmm. is that right is that yeah, yeah so he like did like legal, a, zoom. legal zoom that's what it is legal zoom so he did it through legal zoom you know he he paid for like where he could actually ask somebody questions and whatever and so we built our llc in delaware because california is just oh boy, so expensive <laughs> and so and he was in miami at the time so i was like nah man so that's when i started really trying to recruit i ended up recruiting for a buddy of mine who owned a tech business in Pittsburgh. So that was nice um, because it was really easy. You know, didn't have to go through any channels. He called me, said, I've tried to hire two people. They both were trash. I trust you, make it happen. And I did. And so that was really nice. And we, we, I got it. I found a guy in 72 hours. His contract was supposed to be six months. It's now going on a year and a half. So that was good. But after that happened was kind of like when, you know, my personal stuff happened. So I took a break from that, realized I didn't want to do recruiting anymore on the civilian sector. So for coaching, as far as it's concerned, I went through coaching training and, you know, been learning and things like that. And now I've decided to start kind of putting it out there to see how building clients works. And I'll be honest, that was a humbling experience to say the least, because I can do recruiting. I have no problem with that. You put me in a room full of recruiters, I can outshine most of them. Coaching is hard because, or was hard, because I'm 33 years old. I'm not even retired out of the military. You know, yeah, I have gray hair, so I can blend in with most crowds, <laughs> so I'm good. You know, I had a colonel that told me that back in the day. He said, Cam, use don't ever color it. Use it to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. But, you know, I'm expecting that when I talk to somebody, you know, they're going to be like, what's this kid got to offer me? Like, what is this 33-year-old guy going to do for me? You know, if I'm talking to like a, a CEO of some sort. And I had to get out of that mind frame because I know what I offer, you know, and I know I know where my mind works. I know what experience I have. I know the books I've read, the classes I've taken, all those things. That was a realization I came to a couple of weeks ago. So now it's like, 
like you said, the unapologetic part of it. So I, I put it out into the world. I don't have an Upwork account yet because I, I want to build it on my computer. But, you know, I already came up with a company logo. I already have it on my stuff. I've, like I told you guys, I've already been putting it out on LinkedIn. Like I'm a coach. I do something called Coffee with Cam. Mm. That's how I connect with people. So like when I'm in, when I'm in the LinkedIn comments or connecting with people, things like that, I say, hey, let's have a virtual coffee. And at that point, that's when I, and it's not, it's not a call to necessarily bring in business, but it's a call to learn about the other person, at which point we obviously are going to swap what we do. And at that point that gets them talking or, you know, they write a post about it. And that's the point, right? Like we talked about is you want it to spread like a spider, you know, spider's web. So, and that's already been nice because I've had a couple people who messaged me after we've done one of these and said, Hey, I just sent your information to a buddy of mine, you know, and vice versa. And um, I'm also not in a huge rush. I don't want to go too hard. Mm-hmm. I have four and a half years until I'm retired. So I want to do it right. I want to build a brand, build the message, build it up to the point where it's not rushed. And I, and I feel like it's been done right. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm in the building stage. And one of the things you say, but indirectly is you can change directions in this freelance market. And I think that's yeah. you know, when we talk about, so I'm at the tail end of the boomers. So people uh, <laughs> my age or older. Poor Jim. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> Everything hurts now. But you lived in the same place and worked for the same company your whole life. Right? It wasn't unusual yeah. to have 30, 40 year ten- tenure. The technology, the, the freelance gig economy, that's not going to happen in the future. So your mindset of, mm-hmm. hey, I want to be a recruiter and I'm really good at it, but now I want to be a coach and I'm going to get really good at it, take my time to get there. You know, that's the future, I think. Mm-hmm. So as we build a culture, how can we support that kind of flexibility in the organization that's going to be there, hopefully for 40 or 50 years, but I'm allowing the flexibility for my workforce to change directions like you just described. That's a challenge. I mean, it is. I mean, it's because we've also just, it's like social media and the internet has both empowered and depowered people because we've told people you can be whatever you want. You can create a business online, never set foot out of your house. But we've also told people that if you don't automatically have these talents, you're never going to learn them. Mm. Or because a company needs this and only this, you're never going to get a job because of that. You know, I, I see a lot of posts right now where it's like, People are applying for jobs when they have 80% of the requirements. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's, and there's an argument there because it's like, do you, you know, managers, do, would you hire them? Would you not hire them? And, you know, and it always comes down to, well, I'll, it, it should depend on the person because if somebody has 80% of the requirements, but I can tell that they're motivated and they're going to, and they can, they're going to kill it. They'll learn the 20% quick and whatever. That's what I want. I want team dynamic. And there's a struggle with that because there are high performers who are not good leaders. Yeah, very and, much. And nobody wants mm-hmm. to say it. I mean, it's it just is what it is. And especially when you come out of an organization like the military, that's what we're built and bred on. Be the top person and you're going to be the highest ranking that there is. When in reality, there's like this shift, but people are a little hesitant to it because does it demotivate your top performer now? Because now you're telling them that they're not a leader. Like, hey, you're really great at recruiting, but realistically, you're not good at leading people. Mm-hmm. And 
So it's hard because it's like, which pill do you swallow? And, and realistically, companies, they're about revenue. And it's like this slow trickle effect where they're like, well, I'll take the risk of possibly demotivating my top performer, but hiring someone who can lead 10 other people to be top performers. And then the struggle is also, but you don't want to demotivate somebody either. So how do I not demotivate this person, but don't turn them into a leader, but keep them producing? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a whirlwind effect. <laughs> yeah, but I think when you think about the whole person and how the whole person can fit into an organization, that's yeah. why we talk about the four pillars of a person's life. You know, what are mm. their principles? What are their technical, cognitive, and emotional alignment? Like, what do they want to do? What are they really good at? Yeah. Their work, family, self-balance. And then the vision that they have for their own life. And how mm -hmm. can that vision contribute to our organization if we are a, a for-profit, a non-profit, whatever we might be? And I think if you look at all four of those, you can figure it out. And like you said earlier, is this the right place for them? So yeah. There's some people that they want to spend their entire life behind the wheel of a patrol car being the best patrolman they can be. God bless them. They want to be the best yep. coder they can be, but a lot of them want to be leaders of coders and leaders of patrolmen. And so are we asking the right yeah. questions to the right people? And if they do decide they want to stay in that technical space their whole life, are we encouraging them? Are we supporting them? Mm -hmm. Rather than saying, man, you could have been so much more. <laughs> no, you're right. And that's like, why don't we have more opportunities for people who just want to grind? Exactly. I yeah. mean, like I, I have a, you know, I'm, I have a buddy who I'm coaching now and, you know, I had him do a career values assessment and he's, he's a, he's a leader, he's a manager. And I said, Hey man, I'll be real with you. I read your thing. You don't even want to be in charge of people. And he's like, I don't, he's like, but other, but I'm not going to get promoted if I don't go to this position. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right, then we need to like evaluate what your dream job is, like legit, like take away any titles. Just tell me, we need to talk about exactly what you're looking for because we need to, we need to try and find a position that's going to, that's going to meet those requirements that realistically probably doesn't have you in charge of people because it's going to just drain you for the rest of your life. And he was like, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like, yeah, that, what is the personality type? But also like earlier you hit on something where it's like, you know, the gig economy says, like, go out and, and grind. And these are, like, opportunities for success. But a lot of times it doesn't emphasize that, like, you have to gain these skills and, like, nurture your skills and, like, become really proficient at something in order to, like, go and enter that market. Otherwise, it's kind of like a snake oil mm -hmm. or, like, get rich mm -hmm. quick. It's like it needs yeah. to be paired with the Yeah, does the world want or need skills. this? Correct. One of the hardest things I had to do building my coaching was deciding what my, what I wanted to focus mm. on because that is, you know, cause it's the same thing, right? Because then you actually, it requires a little bit of specialty at that point. It's, it's saying I won't touch any of those things and I'm only going to touch these things. And that can be hard because it's scary. Yeah. You're like, mm -hmm. okay, like these are the things I know, but you know, one of the things that I learned, you know, as I'm, like you said, building my expertise is what's my story. And realistically, most coaches take what their story is and that's what they're going to coach about because that's where they, they've bred the most experience in that environment. You know, if if you went through a divorce and things like that, you might be a divorce coach. You know, if you were in the military and you're a leader, you're probably going to, you might be a leader, a leadership coach. I'm a recruiter, so I can help coach sales teams and recruiting teams because I have that experience. So 
but that was hard. I'll be honest. It was like, it's a little scary. <laughs> it's like, okay. And I'm like dedicating myself to this thing, but it was also like a necessary step confidence wise, because then it also made me recognize, well, these are the things I'm really good at, but I also have to hone them. Like you said, so you got to read the books, you got to be better, you know, you got to connect with other coaches in your same realm, you know, you got to join chapters of the ICF in your local city, you know, all those things. It's it's not easy, but it's also not hard if you really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about everything you say yes to, you've closed 10 other doors and that's the scary part. Because <laughs> when, when you're yeah. a new business, when you're new in business, or even if you've been in business a long time and you're trying to figure out how to break out of a slump, the world is your oyster, right? All this opportunity walks in front of your desk all day, every day. And we just celebrated our 20th birthday last month. And we've had this challenge many, many times. <laughs> you got to say no to a thousand things to say yes to one. That's tough. Mm -hmm. Being disciplined and some shiny object floats into the room and you got to say no to it <laughs> or hand it off to somebody else. Right? You, you yeah. talked about Glenn in Australia. I would love to work the Australian market, and we have been working it for a long time. But you know, 5 p.m. here is 7 a.m. there. You can't do an yep. eight-hour boot camp in those kind of hours. Yeah, oh, I'm going to teach oh, no. from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. when we're doing that Australia cohort. But then Glenn and his team are going to do them, right? That's the only realistic mm -hmm. way to do that, have somebody local you trust and can partner with. And so mm -hmm. say no to that opportunity. And for an unapologetic capitalist like me to say no to that revenue, that's hard to do. But you know yep. it's the right thing to do. So I'm looking at the clock, and one of the requirements of being a distinguished guest here is you have to give up one of your secrets. What's one of your secrets to success that you could share with our listeners? Don't ever be afraid to, to reach out to anybody. Tell us a story. That's, Tell that's us a story about how you've done that. So my podcast, when I built my, it was me and my best friend, Roy. All we ever do is talk about recruiting. I mean, we talk about like, we'll talk about personal stuff every here and there. Like, yo, how's everything going? But realistically, he's still, he's still on active duty as a recruiter. I'm in the guard and we love sales, the psychology, all that stuff. So anyways, we're talking one day and I was just like, man, we should do a podcast, bro. Like, I swear I have these same conversations with a lot of people. People would love to hear us talk about it, especially military who are looking to transition to the civilian market because we don't really get a lot of training in that for that portion of it. And so that was on a Friday by Sunday, I had already booked our first guest who was the previous SEAC. So Troxel. So I had already, I, and I messaged him off a whim, just said, Hey, sir, I see that you just retired. You were the SEAC. We're doing a podcast about military people, you know, leadership, recruiting, so forth. You have obviously done a good job. How would you like to come on our podcast? be our first guest and so forth. And um, John messaged, he messaged me back, sent his phone number, said, hey, send me the link, let's do it. And so m the first guest for our podcast was real, was the highest ranking enlisted member there was in military. <laughs> and that was literally just, I reached out to him on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I just said, hey, what's, you know, I mean, Chief Master of the Air Force, the same thing. I sent her a message and she said the same thing. She said, hey, send me your calendar link. Let's shoot for the summer. And then we'll go from there. Todd Simmons, same thing. He'll tell you that I'm uh, the most unapologetic 
just hounder ever. <laughs> I mean, I messaged him in July of 2020. He said, I'm working on my book. I can't do it right now. Message me in October. I, I said, cool, man. Sounds good. I put a calendar reminder on October 1st and I messaged him on October 1st said, so how about that coming on my podcast? And he said, you really don't quit, do you? And I said, no, like, Unless you give me the hardest of all no's, yeah. expect me to come back to this conversation at some point because that's the worst that can happen. Someone yeah, exactly. says no. And I mean, and it's not horrible, but people are so afraid to reach out. Yeah, there's, a, there's a, a, a retired <laughs> FBI agent. I wish I had the, the book here. I'd probably do if I looked around, but it's uh, he, he entitled his book, Never Split the Difference. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. That's you've read book. it. Okay. Yeah, I love that book. Oh, I yeah, love that philosophy. One of the secrets of success that, that it's not uncommon what you just said, and that is this willingness and ability to take that kind of risk. There was a point in my life where I thought I was going to go run for Congress, and I started investigating that. Almost every member of Congress said, I can be a congressman. Somebody didn't walk up yeah. to him and say, Cam, I think you got what it takes. No, they voted for themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's a yep. really important insight. You know, vote for yourself and ask for the vote. Yep. All right, Lucas, it's our tradition. You get the last question. So what do you got for Cam? <laughs> so I'm kind of on this thought line, thought process lately that we can kind of pull in like pop culture, movies, Marvel, whatever, video games, stuff like that, you know, celebrities, like pull in some of those stories, some of those things that we're interested in on the side, like our hobbies, like, and incorporate that into leadership and incorporate that into what, whether it's case studies or what have you. Have you seen a movie or read a book that's inspired you and kind of made that connection like, oh, that really applies to coaching and leadership? So I just started re reading The Heart of La Laser Focus oh, Coaching. Yeah. I mean, I was, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I'm not a good, I'm not a good reader. <laughs> I'm just be real about it. So I do audio, but I don't really read on, I do audio books. That's my biggest thing. And thank, thank God I was born in, in this age because <laughs> I was be so educated if I wasn't. <laughs> and so, um, and, and the author, she reads it and I like when the author reads their books, but if they don't have a lot of tonality, like I do, I can get bored. I'll be honest. It is what it is. But God, man, that book is like really helping me out. Like, I just, I love like everything that she says. I feel like she's speaking from my soul <laughs> um, because um, I'm also, you know, one of the, the great things I loved about working with Flatter and 2RL was that like, as soon as I got done coaching, I was offered the opportunity to help the the military who are going through the coaching program. And that's been amazing because like Dude. me and all those, me and the guys that I'm coaching have really connected. And um, a lot of the things that I was telling them about how, I then heard in her book and I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not like staring these guys down the wrong path. And so it, it, it's really, it really is motivating me because it really is just like the book really hits the point home of like walk into every session, completely neutral, take away all biases, ask those questions, be direct if you really have to. I mean, I was direct with somebody the other day as they were talking about how they were irritated about something because somebody was making a decision. They didn't feel like they were giving foresight to it. And I said, does it always make you mad when you are uh, upset when you feel like someone's making decisions that they haven't thought about third order effects about? And he was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, you know, and then he was, and, you know, then he went down a thing and he was like, yeah, man, it, it, let me tell you another example. Yeah, and like, yeah. you know, but, but he thought about that and he's like, maybe I need to stop worrying about it so much. <laughs> like if it's everybody else's <laughs> life. And I was like, probably need to. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's right now, that's the book that's really kind of pushing them. And it's the first book. 
that I'm reading about coaching and I'm, I'm glad that it's my first book because I feel like it's driving the point home really hard. Jared, about to pull up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, I know you, you kept saying it so much. I had, I had like, I had to, and then I, and then Jean, she had it too. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was like, okay. And so Marion um, Franklin never, Marion Franklin. Yep. And then, uh, Never split the difference. That oh, was a yeah. good one too. I'm going to have that one up That's, next time just so I can show it to everybody. It's one of my favorite books. Great. Thanks so much for coming on. I think this is going to be an amazing conversation we just had and going to be a great interest to a lot of different people. Oh, it was, yeah. it was dope. I appreciate I'm glad we figured out the Calendly thing. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> well, that concludes this episode of Building a Coaching Culture. I truly hope that this episode was helpful to you. If it was... Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe stop and give us a rating or a review and share this podcast with someone who might find it helpful as well. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.